Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to worship you this morning. We thank you for the worship that we have to bring to you. We ask your presence in this room. We ask your presence wherever we happen to be to worship you, to comfort us. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. You be seated. You know, it was, it will be next weekend, eight years next weekend, will be the anniversary of when this church started, eight years next weekend. And it made me start thinking about the fact that that means that I've been leading this church for eight years, well actually probably closer to nine because there were nine months before we ever had a worship service as Triad Adventist Fellowship. I've seen a lot. I've seen 12 people grow to a church membership of 180 and 200 people filling this place. Then I've seen COVID hit and I've seen politics and COVID and race and everything divide a church. I've seen people leave. I've seen numbers dwindle. And it's made me start thinking about the future of the church. Made me start thinking about my future as the leader of this church. And as you start thinking about the future, I don't know about you, but as I think about the future, I start also thinking about the past. So I'm going to do something I probably haven't done really ever. I'm going to open up my journal. And I'm going to read you something that I wrote in my journal about a year ago. And I don't think I've ever read anything I've ever written in my journal to anyone, and so why not do it in public in front of everyone? Something I wrote about a year ago. I've been in a desert waiting to hear from God. I'm struggling. I continue to lead out of muscle memory. And because Taff needed me, I've seen far too many people leave. I've seen those I thought would always have my back leave. It hurts deeply. I keep praying for God to bring me out of the desert and to tell me what my next step is. Yes. It's what I wrote a year ago. And I'm still waiting. I wish I had that answer. I wish I knew what the next step is. I wish I knew how to get this church back to be a thriving church. You see, one of the problems of being the leader is I see all the good things and I see the bad things 
It's kind of like when you take, if you've ever taken a watch apart. It's, sometimes it's amazing to see behind the inner workings of the watch and you see all the gears working in when the way it's supposed to. That's how it is as a leader when things are working good. But when things aren't working good and you see the gears grinding, sometimes not even moving, it's tough. And sometimes I just don't know what to do. I had lunch this week with one of the original 12 members of this church who's not a member of this church currently. And it was an interesting perspective to get an outsider's perspective of maybe what should be done who was here at the beginning but isn't here currently and to to give me some advice about what could be done about how to maybe fix the church if the fix is, if the church is broken it depends on how you look at it my perspective it is but that's one person's point of view how do we fix it What can I do? Can I do it? You know, if you think about most churches that have a paid pastor, most of them don't stick around for nine years. Is it time for fresh leadership at Taft? I don't know. Things that go around in my head sometimes. But as I, as I think about what to do, we all have to try and figure out how to find our way back to God. The leader of this church included. See, when I get up here and I preach about getting involved in church, how to get, get that fire back. I'm not here talking to you. I'm talking to myself. Sure, it might apply to you, but whenever I preach, I preach first of all, most importantly, to me. How do I find my way back to God? You see, for some, they have to find their way to God for the first time. Maybe they've never had that relationship. And they need to find a relationship with God for the first time. But for others, it's because maybe they've strayed away from that relationship. They've needed to figure out how to get back to that relationship. Maybe the relationship has gone stale. And that's never because of God. It's because of us. Sometimes that that change can be instantaneous. It can be a dramatic journey back to God. But for others, it can involve many steps over months or even years. 
I know for me, I wish it was instantaneous. I wish that that fire was back now, a year ago, when I wrote that journal entry. But it's taking time. All I can do is keep praying every day that that fire reignite. All I can do is encourage you to do the same. See, many people have found their way back to God. Many of them are you. Me. See, maybe you have felt a similar emptiness. Maybe you know what it's like to have longings that have gone unfulfilled. Maybe you know what it's like to end up in a place that you never intended to be. Maybe even in this moment, as you ponder life, you find yourself thinking, there's got to be more than this. You know, that feeling that there's got to be more awakens in us longings that lie deep within each of our souls. These longings are so universal that they show up in almost everywhere. In the stories we write, in the art that we create, even in the songs that we sing. Let me prove my point. So far this has been kind of a heavy talk, so let me try and give a little levity to try and ease things up a little bit. I'm going to give you the first few words of, words of a song lyric, and I want you to try and finish it. You ready? Looking for love in all the wrong. There you go. You can't always get. All right. I still haven't found what I'm. You guys are pretty good. Now, some of you young people probably don't know some of those. Familiar tunes that point to longings that we all have. Like the longing for love. Glenn Wolf probably a name that probably none of you know. Glenn Wolf holds the record, a record that probably no one's very proud of, the record for the most marriages in the United States. 29. His longest marriage lasted seven years. His shortest, 19 days. Interesting detail, he was a Baptist minister. What I would like to know if I could have a conversation with Glenn Wolf is why didn't he stop after number four or number 24 for that matter? Why didn't he stop? Why did he keep trying? Relationships are hard. We get dumped, we get hurt, but yet we long for love. Relationships are hard. We get a friend that stabs us in the back. Do we find our, but yet we find ourselves running after friendship again and again. We're all looking for love. Inside of us is a longing to be loved. We also long for purpose. Think back to when you were a kid, maybe five or six years old. What did you want to be when you grew up? A doctor, a teacher, maybe a fireman, an astronaut, maybe a professional athlete? Now ask yourself this question. Why in the world were you dreaming about any kind of a job or profession 
at all. You didn't need a job at five or six years old. You didn't have any bills to pay. You were still learning the alphabet and how to spell your name. Why would you even think about what you wanted to be when you grew up? Because you already had a desire deep inside of you for purpose. You wanted to accomplish something in this life. We have a longing for love, a longing for purpose. We also have a longing for meaning. Answers to those big why questions. I think every one of us has had enough pain in our lives at some point to ask why. Why, God, if you are so good, did you allow this to happen? What's the point of life? Why am I here? Why am I in so much pain? If suffering is causing you to question God, think about this. There's a reason why suffering feels not just painful, but also wrong and unfair. There is a reason why you feel like your life and the world aren't the way they're supposed to be. God gave you those feelings. God feels the same way. Your desire to see wrongs righted and suffering come to an end is put inside of you by God. Understand this, the longing for love, the longing for purpose, the longing for answers to those big why questions are longings that we all experience. We're hardwired for these longings. The problem is, that we have, the problem isn't that we have these longings and desires. The problem is that we seek to fulfill them on our own. The problem is that we try to satisfy them without God. But here's the good news this morning. Awakening to these longings, to the truth of where they can be satisfied, marks the beginning of our journey back to God. See, this sermon series, we're going to focus on one parable, the prodigal son. And today I want to start in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 16, where it says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now, before you die. So the father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed his pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him 
anything. Jesus tells what is considered by many to be one of the greatest short stories in all of literature. It's a story of a lost son who has this longing that there has got to be more to life. You can almost hear him singing the lyrics to those songs we talked about earlier. You can't always get what you want. I still haven't found what I'm looking for and looking for love in all the wrong places. In first century Middle Eastern culture, a son asking for his inheritance early was one of the worst insults a father could receive. A son in Jesus' day was not only expected to wait until his father died before he would receive his inheritance, but he was also expected to care for his father in his old age. So this son asking for his inheritance early was like saying, Hey dad, I don't really care if you live or die. I know there's something more and I want it now. It's a huge offense. And before we all cast this son aside as being ungrateful and unselfish, is it possible? Is it possible that he just said out loud what most of us are feeling? Don't we sometimes feel like life isn't bringing us what we hoped for, what we wanted, or even what we feel like we deserve? Now, what I'm about to say might surprise you. Thinking and feeling that you want something more is what you should feel. Not shouldn't, what you should feel. Not that everything you desire is good for you, because it is absolutely not. Yet things like longing for love, that will truly last in a purpose for living and your need to make sense out of those hard things in life. All these longings come from God. But the son in Jesus' story was like so many of us. He was convinced that he had to leave his father to find answers and to fulfill his longings. So Jesus said he set off for a distant country. The story doesn't tell us, doesn't give us many details on what actually occurred in that distant country. It simply tells us that the younger son squandered his wealth in wild living. We're left to imagine what wild living would have looked like in Jesus' day. The story we're told today, he clearly would have went to Vegas, and I don't mean K-Vegas. It would have been some exotic place in, in imagining parties and binge drinking into all hours of the night. It didn't take long for the son in this story to blow his entire inheritance. And very quickly, his adventure turns sour. A famine strikes the land, and he has no money or food left. And the story continues that, that he had to go out and hire himself out to a farmer 
who sends him out into the fields to feed the pigs. And he was so hungry that the pods he was feeding those pigs, he longed for that food, but nobody would give him anything. His longing for love wasn't satisfied in other women. His longing for purpose wasn't found in the partying. His journey left him asking all kinds of why questions. Why didn't this turn out like I thought it would? Why am I so lonely, broke, and empty? Why did I end up in a place like this? Sound familiar? Feel familiar? The story of the lost son is in each of our stories. Some more or less dramatic, some more or less painful. The reason Jesus told this story is to help each and every one of us find our way home, back to God. This brings us to, the, to life's most important question. It's a question that you will have to answer over and over again. And here it is. Where will you go? Where will you go to satisfy these God-given longings? Will they draw you closer to God? Or will you turn away from God? See, we're starting this series today called Finding Your Way Back to God. It's about that initial time that we find our way to God and we begin that relationship with Him, but it's also about our ongoing journey. We find our way to God as a life-changing moment that very first time, but we also find our way back to God as a life-growing process over and over again. Think about your spiritual journey. Time after time, we've wandered away from our home. Time after time, we've forgotten God. Time after time, we've completely turned our backs on Him. Throughout the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at five different awakenings that occur during almost everyone's spiritual journey. And all five of these awakenings are something that we all need to come alive to again and again and again. Today, we've already been talking through the first of these awakenings, awakening to longing. The first awakening is all about recognizing our longing for love, purpose, and meaning. And it's not satisfied running away from God, but only running towards God. This series might be one of the most important series we've ever done here at the church. Because our story is a story of helping people find their way back to God. 17th century mathematician Pascal had one of the greatest intellects in the history of Western civilization. He grew up knowing about God, but not earnestly following him. 
Then in a profound middle-of-the-night experience with God, he had a change of heart. And it ignited a passion to help others experience a life with God. And he began to challenge his fellow intellectuals to wager on God. He would dare them to step into a belief about God and see if it didn't change their lives. He explained the wager this way, make a bet that there is a God who loves you. If you're right, you have everything to gain. And if you're wrong, you have nothing to lose. Make a bet that God is real. It's a gamble where you have everything to gain and nothing to lose. If you find God, you will find the source of unconditional love for which you've always longed. Finding God will offer you your purpose in life. And God is the one who can take your past and make sense of it. That's the payoff. So if you are a person who's trying to find your way back to God, Here's the first step that I want to ask you to take. Take Pascal's wager. Join me in 30 days of prayer. Asking this prayer, God, if you are real, make yourself real to me. Awaken in me the ability to see that you are what's missing from my life. What do you have to lose? but you could have everything to gain. So I challenge you today to take this 30-day wager with me. What if we all decided, what if every single one of us decided to take this bet together right now? What if we all decided to pray this prayer together every single day for the next 30 days? God, if you're real, Make yourself real to me. I'm going to personally take this 30-day prayer challenge because I know that I need God to be real in my life. And I want to experience Him more and more every single day. So let me ask you again. Where will you go to fill these longings? that each of us have. These longings came from God. They will either draw us to Him or they'll push us away from Him. Imagine, though, if God fulfilled your longing for love, purpose, and meaning. Imagine what it would be like to not have to run after love anymore. Imagine what it would feel like to not have to search for purpose or to look for meaning anymore. Can you even begin to imagine what it might feel like to experience longing fulfilled? My prayer is that each and every one of us will let those longings lead us back to God. Heavenly Father, help us to find our way back to you. Help us to pray that prayer, God, if you are real, 
Make yourself real to me. Make yourself real to me, Lord. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.